everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Dominion came under heavy fire after allegations that their machines caused thousands of votes in one Michigan county to be switched from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. The machines can be hacked. There's no question about that. Their machines can be hacked. The president's lawyers alleging a company called Dominion, which they say started in Venezuela with Cuban money and with the assistance of Smartmatic software, a backdoor is capable of flipping votes. We have evidence of how they flipped the votes, how it was designed to flip the votes. Well, we have a new segment this week. It's called Two Big Things. We're going to be doing that every week. And that's one of them. The first big thing is the fact that Rupert Murdoch, CEO, chairman of Fox Corporation, was hauled in for depositions this week. I think today is the second part of it. And uh, it's part of the $1.6 billion defamation suit filed by Dominion Voting Systems, Dominion Voting Machines. That, what you just heard, is what was the never-ending series of Fox News personalities claiming that Dominion took votes that were for Donald Trump and, you know, rigged the machines and gave him the Biden. So they stole the election. Dominion stole the election for Joe Biden. And this is great because, you know, Alex Jones recently was was held accountable and bankrupted because you just can't say whatever the fuck you want about whatever. And Fox News, as we know, for the last several decades has been so toxically partisan, has literally poisoned the minds of probably half of America and a good chunk of our senior citizenry. And this is going to be a groundbreaking case. This is this could be a landmark situation where if Fox loses, then everything that we see from Tucker Carlson to Sean Hannity, I mean, Sean Hannity, I think last summer said something like, I don't for a minute believe all the bullshit coming out of the Trump campaign. Well, that's intent. I mean, if they can prove that everybody at Fox from Murdoch on down knew that this is all bullshit, Dominion's going to get a $1.6 billion and America might be free of all these lies going forward. What do you guys think? Finally, things are happening that should have happened a long time ago. You had Giuliani admitting that he didn't even look at the evidence when he did his cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs claims that the Dominion was flipping votes randomly for Joe Biden. And a lot of people forget that back in February of 2021, just 24 hours after Smartmatic filed a $2.7 billion lawsuit against Fox, they fired Lou Dobbs. We forgot about Lou Dobbs, but he was on right. their network and he's gone because of this insanity. Yeah, Lou Dobbs, he was kind of like a normal news guy and then just like went off the rails. He started going off the rails on CNN, but he Not really to went the extent yeah. that, I mean, he became like, he was like carrying Trump's balls at one point. Oh, and Trump used to bring him into conference call meetings about a right. business. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I remember that. He would call him on the phone. Like, hey, it was, what do you think, Lou? Let's get Lou, Lou Dobbs says, in on this. So we want to know about the budget with Lou Dobbs. Yeah. Chief of staff, Lou Dobbs. Jen? I, I've said from the beginning, I'd love to see some consequences. I'd like to see moving forward the Republican Party not just saying whatever they want to pull out of their ass that day. So let's see what happens. What an ass that is, huh? Big ass. Yeah. And so I think this comes to trial in April. Unfortunately, Fox can afford to pay whatever the penalty is. And I mean, it's not something anyone wants to pay. But it's symbolic. I mean, the symbolism of yeah. losing something like this is going to make 
much smaller guys, the Newsmaxes, the OANs, you know, yeah. to they just would, be really careful about it, the shit they spread. It would wipe them out completely. Yeah. And, you know, Hannity, when he said what he said, what I just said about him, that was under oath when he was in court. So he would literally go in court and say under oath, I don't believe any of this shit. And then that night would go on his show and spread all his lies. It's like that's Tucker, intent. Tucker calls him when he said he doesn't do the news when he was in a deposition. And he doesn't say that when he's actually on the news. Yeah. Well, the next big thing, the chaos and drama in the House. Uh, shadow speaker Marjorie Taylor Greene and her cohorts, uh, Paul Gosar. Scott Perry and Lauren Boebert were added to the Oversight Committee. The Oversight Committee. The bad people were put on the committee that investigates the bad people. How about that? Talk about consequences. Yeah. And rewards. There you, go. you know, and then you got people like Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff who were kicked off their committees while... George Santos was added to two important committees. He was rewarded for being a pathological liar, who this week we learned for sure through immigration records that his mother was not in one of the towers on 9-11. She was in Brazil. I'm shocked. Yeah. I don't know how you say shocked in Spanish, but whatever it is, I am that. And then he... Fucking killed a dog. He killed a dog by stealing his cancer operation money from a Navy veteran. A Navy vet's a dog. Homeless Navy veteran. Homeless. Homeless. You can't make this shit up. And what does Kevin McCarthy do? He says, Good job, George. Okay. As Schiff and Swalwell are going out the door, Santos is coming in. And by the way, Kinzinger. And Liz Cheney are home watching it on TV because they weren't conservative enough. They weren't good enough for this Congress. Well, we know that McCarthy basically gave away everything, including whatever soul he has in order to become Speaker of the House. I mean, you're talking about Bobard, who has a, he's been put on a committee and has a history of Islamophobia. Perry, who was so involved in the January 6th coup that his phone was taken by the FBI, and right. now he's on the Oversight Committee. Yeah. And Gosar, he just likes to tweet videos of him killing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and President Biden. Other than that, these people are fucking God-fearing, stellar human beings, in my opinion. Well, that's how we get the house back. Two years. Two years of chaos. True words could not have been spoken. I, I, I will say that Santos is the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> he is. And, uh, you know, it's going to be real interesting to see whether the pressure mounts enough to cause his resignation or if he's asked to step down. He's certainly not going to be expelled. I think he's just going to sit there I, like a fucking pinata. And this is the party that's uh, anti-drag queen. And we now find out that Santos was a drag queen. Yeah. Well, he, you know, <laughs> Santos, some of these people like Santos, they, they worship Donald Trump, right? So they, they operate like Donald Trump. They, they, they look at his tweets. They look at what he says, his truth socials, and they just mimic him, right? So if you follow Santos on Twitter, that's what he's starting to do. And like... Like his master, Trump, his tell is, is denial. So literally, whatever he says, the opposite is true. That's how you could always tell the truth when Donald Trump spoke. <laughs> so what did George Santos tweet yesterday? I am not a drag queen. <laughs> Which, of course, means... We see more and more pictures every day. Yeah, I mean, if you 
I'm sure if somebody goes into like drag queen websites, there's going to be a picture somewhere that somebody finds, just like, you know, those old college photos of people that you love. And then all of a sudden it's like, you went to a blackface party in college? What? I'm sure there's a photo or two floating around somewhere of George in drag, which by the way, would be a great movie title. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like a Nickelodeon show, George and drag. Another new segment this week, winners and losers. I'm going to start. My winner, George Santos, rewarded with key committee assignments despite being a pathologically lying sociopath who stole $3,000 that he raised for the life-saving surgery of the homeless Navy veteran's dog. By the way, the dog died. The loser, Fox chairman Rupert Murdoch, who's being deposed this week as part of a $1.6 billion defamation suit, as I mentioned before, over allegations that Fox and his hosts spread lies that it rigged its voting machines to steal Trump votes. Jen. I loves me a good, strong woman, and that would be Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, from the depths of uh, anti-Semitism. Winner or loser? She's my winner. Oh, winner, okay. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the depths of anti-Semitism and, and conspiracy theories being kicked off her committees to having her first choice of oversight, mm -hmm. I mean... That's tenacious. I mean, well done, Marjorie. Yep. Loser. <laughs> um, Matt Schlapp, the chairman of CPAC, accused of sex assault by ex-Herschel Walker campaign staffer for aggressively fondling a man. Mm, well done, Matt. Karma's a bitch. Well done, Matt. These guys, they're all gay. They're all gay. Every one of them. Matty? Uh, yeah, so my winner this week is not a good one. I give it to the Ohio GOP's efforts at voter suppression. They've adopted one of the country's strictest voter ID laws, which the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland estimates <clears throat> will disproportionately impact impoverished urban communities of color. Uh, so that's my winner for mm -hmm. voter suppression. And my pick for biggest loser this week is every public high school student in the state of Florida under the shameless <laughs> direction of Governor DeSantis, the Florida Department of Education, has blocked a new AP course on African-American studies in their performative mission to be anti-woke. I think at this point, we can it's safe to say we feel sorry for any resident of Florida. I'll extend it to that. Okay. Which brings us to our weekly rant. I want to speak for a minute to the anti-woke crowd. You know, the people who confuse being compassionate, empathetic, considerate, and respectful with being politically correct, censored, and canceled. You know what woke is? It's realizing and accepting that there are people who are less fortunate, who are homeless, who are in need, who are mistreated, who are discriminated against, who have their rights violated, who are offended by xenophobic, homophobic, sexist, anti-Semitic, racist behavior, who aren't threatened by pronouns, who believe in racial, religious, and gender equality, who believe that women should control their own bodies, who believe that Karens should shut the fuck up and mind their own business, who believe in police reform, who believe in social and criminal justice, who believe in sensible gun reform, who believe in the rule of law, who believe in the separation of church and state, who believe in truth and facts, who believe in science, who believe in vaccines and masks, who believe in climate change, who believe climate change is real, who aren't selfish, greedy, insensitive, cruel, and oppressive shitbags. That's right. Being woke means giving a flying fuck about others, about knowing that you don't get to say whatever 1950s era backward bullshit you want, especially if it's hurtful to other human beings and to the planet. 
So you know what? Being woke actually makes you feel good. You should try it sometime. Let's get to our guest, Joe Walsh. He's a former congressman from Illinois who was a leading voice of the Tea Party movement. He's a former nationally syndicated far-right talk radio host and former candidate for president in 2020 against Donald Trump. He's the author of the amazingly titled 2020 book, Fuck Silence, Calling Trump Out for the Cultish, Moronic, Authoritarian Con Man He Is. And he is host of the podcast White Flag with Joe Walsh. Joe is also chairman of nonpartisan Center Street PAC, board member of bipartisan gun safety organization, 97%, and is a frequent political commentator on CNN and MSNBC. He's a lifelong Republican. He left the party three years ago, became an independent, and has become one of the biggest conservative critics of Trump, Trumpism, and the MAGA cult. Joe, welcome into the back room. Andy, it's always a treat, brother, to be with you. Joe Walsh, man. I loved you in the Eagles. <laughs> Do you get that a lot, or am I the only idiot that says that? I uh, No, you're not. In fact, uh, historically, you know, when I got elected Andy to Congress in 2010, I won by 491 votes. I'm convinced <laughs> 492 people thought I was the other Joe Walsh. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny one day if you, like, were calling to make like a hotel reservation and you say, hi, I'm Joe Walsh. I need a room. And the other, the person on the other end is like, oh man, oh, I'm so honored. I'm such a fan. You, and, and, you and you go, no, no, I'm not that Joe Walsh. I'm the politician. And they go, I, I know. I love your podcast. Wouldn't that be crazy? The other Joe Walsh, I, I, he sucks. <laughs> I, I do get a lot of that. Um, I get some of both. Uh, um, but I, I want to, I wish I had met him one day. He's still alive. That would be funny if like, just get like a bunch of people named Joe Walsh in a room. Why stop at you two? Well, I'm thinking there isn't another Andy Astroy, is there? No. Thankfully. You're it, man. Thankfully. You're it. One is enough for this world. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe Walsh, musician, if you're out there listening, which I'm sure you, you do, let's do you this. You remember, let's... Andy, back in the day... That Joe Walsh ran for president, too. No way. You remember that? No. Joe Walsh, the guitarist, no, ran no, for... No, 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 no. Andy, I swear to fucking God, it was like a gimmick, but in the early to mid-70s, he filed, I think, to run for president. I don't know how long it lasted. Wow. I'll have to look that up. He did. Did he win? No, I don't, I don't think he stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> Walsh, 42. No. So before we get into the craziness of politics, I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about young Joe Walsh. What were you like as a kid? Were you like totally into politics as like an eight-year-old little wonk? Or was that something that came on later on in life? No, I've always had that. Uh, I grew up in a big old Irish Catholic family and nine kids in the Midwest. I was the only one in my family who was political besides my mom. I mean, on the surface, Andy, I was a normal kid. I was an athlete, uh, uh, a popular kid, all of that, but never really happy, kind of restless. But I've always loved politics. My, my first, I don't know what your first election, the first election I really remember was 72, mm -hmm. Nixon McGovern. And I just loved following it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. I, I said on the show last week that when I was like nine years old, I was hanging out at the local Nixon campaign office because <laughs> yeah. I loved the buttons, which I still have, by the way, and the bumper stickers. And then I'd walk around my neighborhood 
So that's it. Andy Ostroy, big libtard, was uh, working for Richard Nixon when he was eight years old. So yeah, I do believe that people who end up in some way in politics in their life had to have that bug at some point, even when they were really young. You know, here's the here's the bug, and I think you can probably relate because you probably share this bug. Uh, I've been a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I studied acting way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be in a profession where I could make a difference. I've always been cause driven, not money driven. I wish I had been more money driven. So in politics, so politics was a platform uh, that I always thought from which I could make change. Mm-hmm. And so. You mentioned your other work. I did some research. You were a social worker? Yeah. Not something I would have thought. No. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Tea Party Joe Walsh. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's uh, look, I, and uh, again, I don't know about you, but my political philosophy was formed pretty early. I'm basically pretty libertarian. Uh, I believe in government doing something, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that it's up to us to, to help those who are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of teaching. I did a lot mm-hmm. of work in the inner city. Um, again, trying to improve people's lives. And I always get a funny look because I am conservative and most conservatives don't get into those professions. Right. I, I wouldn't think that the social work industry is chock full of conservatives. <laughs> it's, Andy, it's funny. I was alone in, in every occupation I was in, social service and teaching, I was generally the only conservative. But it fit my philosophy and I wanted to, again, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make a change. So you were the original compassionate conservative. Bush stole that from you. <laughs> Fucking W. And, but that's the funny thing though, Andy, that phrase always pissed me off. It's because to me, being a conservative, you could be compassionate. You didn't have to label somebody a compassionate conservative. It was such a defensive posture, I thought. Uh, I got why he did it. But no, I've always, uh, look, I, this is what's so fucked up about our politics. You and I probably disagree on most things politically, but you're a compassionate dude. I'm a compassionate dude. We just have a different philosophy on how big government should be. Right. Yeah. No, look, I think what Bush did was brilliant from a political standpoint. Mm-hmm. Republicans are not necessarily known for their compassion, especially among among liberals. And he just sort of co-opted that part of, you know, the Democratic Party's platform, which is to give a shit about other people and, and took it as, as his own. And, you know, honestly, we can use a little bit more of that today for sure. You know, bingo. Yeah. Bingo. So when when um, when did you decide that, like, you know, fuck this social work shit, I'm going into politics? <laughs> I'm going to be a real conservative and go into politics. I got married really young. I had babies right away. The marriage wasn't doing well. I wasn't making money. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do, my place on this planet. I want to make a difference. I ran for Congress in 1996 on a lark in a very democratic district. Didn't have a shot, but I got the bug. And so I kind of stayed in the game struggled through most of my 30s and early 40s, Andy, marriage fell apart. And then in Obama gets elected. And then in 2009, I got pissed off about all the debt, Republicans and Democrats, all the debt. And I said, fuck it, I'm going to move back to my hometown in Illinois. 
I'm going to run for Congress. It's a crazy, stupid thing to do because I didn't have any money. My marriage was over. I was, I was already mar- on my second marriage to the love of my life. It was a crazy, crazy thing to do. But Andy, I just, I, I was angry. Mm. I was angry. Well, but that's what people should do when they, they get angry. They get in, you know, you got to, I try to explain this to my, my daughter, who's going to be 19 in a couple of weeks that, you know, when you want change, you got to work within the system. You know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You got to get in and then you affect change. A lot of young people today don't really and, think understand and, that. And, and you're right, Andy. And by the way, even though you and I would disagree on the Tea Party, I was a Tea Party congressman. Yeah, me too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> in 2010, that's really what happened. We Republicans took back the House and it was just a bunch of these doctors and dentists and regular people who got pissed off about Obamacare and the debt, and they ran. And even if you disagree with their politics, as you said, I like that kind of thing, where regular people who aren't involved in politics get angry about something, and they run. Yeah, no, look, you probably back then said to yourself after you won, like, wow, anybody can run and win and be in Congress. And now, of course, today, like, I mean, you're, you're Abraham Lincoln compared to George Santos. You know what I mean? Like today, literally anyone, anyone can can run for Congress and win. Hey, Andy, think about what you just said. If you and I are talking eight or nine years ago when I'm in Congress, first of all, you hate me because I'm, I'm, I'm... I don't, I don't hate anyone, Joe. You, well, maybe a couple you, people. I, I, remember, <laughs> I wouldn't have been <coughs> Trump. favorite... I, Bill, I wouldn't have been your favorite politician. Right. I was the Tea Party musket mm-hmm. grabber. Mm-hmm. But think about what you just said. I was the extremist back then. Right. Now... I, I, I'm like nothing compared to No, it's, it's off the rolls. And we're going to get into that in a second. But look, you, you've you been on kind of a, a redemption, I don't want to say tour, because that sounds pejorative. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. last few years, you've, you've done a, you know, if somebody looked at you a few years ago and looks at you today, you're t- two different human beings. Big shift as a person and, and, and politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the turning point for you? Because... You know, with all due respect, you were out there on the radio. You you were you know you were you were pretty aggressive and, and incendiary, and so to go from that extreme to where you are now, like what was the the pivotal point for you, where you just said, you know um, what, I I need to change. I'm I I don't buy into this, whatever it is. Uh, the the point was the election of Trump. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh, Andy, I. I um, like uh, politically and philosophically, I'm still generally the same Tea Party conservative. But you said it, I, I've changed as a person. I was a divisive dude. I went to Washington before Trump, six years before Trump, to fucking burn it down, <laughs> to tear it down, to cause trouble, to, to go after Boehner and Obama. I was divisive. Um, and then I'm on the radio around the country. And then I'm on Fox News every day. And I'm I'm divisive. I'm getting my side all fucking wound up uh, about things I believed in. But as you said, Andy, fuck, I went over the line so many times because I was an angry young dude. Mm-hmm. And then Trump got elected. And I started to pay attention to him. And and I, I thought to myself early on after Trump won, my God. Do I sound like that? Did I sound like that? Do I sound like even a tenth of that? It was like a cold slap in the face. The election of Trump and what he said and did every day, it really woke me up. Mm -hmm. And I thought I led to him. I helped put him in the White House. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to go to my grave having people think I'm like Donald Trump. Yeah. No, look, I mean, I, I said this to you in the past. I, you know, I kind of look forward. I don't really look in the rearview mirror. We're on the same team now where it matters in terms of the rule of law and our, and our respecting our democracy and protecting our democracy. And I think it is just as much as you've created Trump, you and other people, perhaps, which you've been apologetic for, you're also very integral in being with Democrats in trying to kill him off and causing his defeat in 2020. So it is a redemption. And, you know, I'll never turn away someone who's on my side fighting the biggest war that we've had. And Andy, I'll, I'll also make one other point, And I thank you for this and a lot of people like you. When I publicly turned against Trump five years ago and then took a blowtorch to my career, I, I was out here lonely, homeless for a long time. And I got to know Democrats and progressives like you. And I interacted with Democrats and progressives like you. And it really did open me up. And it made me a more tolerant person. And, and look, Andy, it, it did change my thoughts on some issues. I'm much more accepting of the notion of climate change because mm-hmm. I talk and engage with people like you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, you, 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 you are for climate. You understand climate change. You're for gun reform. You're pro-choice. You want to legalize pot. You are staunchly anti-Trump, calling him a danger to this country, and you say his entire life. I mean, you you sound like a libtard, Joe. <laughs> well, it's funny, Andy. I'm a libertarian. Basically, you know what I mean. You got the like, lib I'm part. I'm a libertarian. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 a libertarian in in that I generally want government to stay out of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so socially, you and I are probably aligned on a lot of shit. Economically, we may disagree. But Andy, think about this. Nine, 10 years ago, I'm the face of the Tea Party. Now, 10 years later, I'm actually thinking about becoming a Democrat. What a fucking bizarre journey that is. Of course. All you gotta do is turn on the TV and you see people like you and Bill Crystal and Rick yeah. Wilson. And I mean, all these yeah. guys that like five, six, seven, eight years ago were the enemy. And now we're like, hey, we're all buddies because that's the irony of Trump is that he actually did unite people who would, would never under other circumstances have been united. It's a weird silver lining to his presidency that I don't think people are going to really appreciate for another few years. But just if you think about it in, in terms of like what you just said and what I've said in the past, he did bring yeah. people together. In because, some bizarre way. Well, because before Trump, guys like you and I would debate and fight over Democratic and Republican issues. Mm-hmm. Now, now with Trump, it's either like democracy or fascism. Right. That's how I feel. I know you feel the same. Yeah, that's, of course. That's like easy. That's easy. Yeah, it's 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 not about. It's not about political differences. It's no more about abortion and, and God and guns. And it's it's about reality and truth and respecting the rule of law and and not being a traitor. I mean, it's all these crazy... I remember as a kid, and you're, you're in my generation, so I remember yeah. the first time you saw the Manchurian Candidate? Yeah. And you're like, man, that's just Hollywood. That could never, ever... Oh. And then it's like, that movie is nothing compared to Trump. Nothing. 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 It's crazy. Oh, my God. Andy, I watched it again a couple of weeks ago. I've seen about seven eight times. It's still so fucking powerful. Yeah. And that's really what we had. I mean, it's crazy to think of that. You, speaking of being woke, right? You, yeah. some guy, I don't know who the hell he is, but his name is Noah Berlatsky. He tweeted 
something to the effect this week that like you're you're kind of like a, a real liberal, right? And you your response was, and I quote, "I'm still super conservative, still as conservative as I was when I was in Congress." What? You don't think it's possible to be a woke conservative? Bullshit. I am one. That's a pretty powerful statement. It, it, Andy, it fucking pisses me off. I, I, right. This is how I've changed. Thank you, Andy, and others who've helped me. I, I don't, I embrace the term woke. To, to, to me, woke is just I've woken up and I understand there are systemic injustices now. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still a conservative. So I fire off stuff about, and I see a lot of Democrats even like running away from the term woke. Right. Um, I, I, I would embrace it. I, I tweet, I talk a lot about woke. And what I realize is the right is afraid of the term. They hate the term. But too many people on the left, Andy, don't think you can be conservative than woke. Right. But that gets us back to the compassionate conservative thing. I mean, as a liberal... I understand and appreciate the concept of having an opponent on the other side of the aisle who could also give a shit about people, right? I mean, why is that such a novel concept today? But it is. It's not. It's not. But as a Democrat and progressive, do you think the woke movement, there are elements in the woke movement that push too hard? I think, of course, there are. Just like there's that on the other side. But I think in general, the, 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 the word woke today, the way it's been weaponized by the right to be a, a real negative and a pejorative or symbolic of like everything that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But really what woke means to me, and I, I did a rant on this in the opening part of this segment, this episode today is, it just means giving a shit about people other than yourself. Like, what does woke mean? It means like there are people that are hungry, that are tired, that are weak, that are, give me your tired, you're hungry, you're poor, right? Yearning to be free. Like, that's woke. Isn't that woke? I agreed. Agreed. I, I, I go on Bill Maurer's show mm-hmm. a lot. Bill Maurer is one of these voices now on the left that, that attacks the word woke. Yeah. I'd love to have a debate with him about it. Because you're right. That's what woke is. Now, there are elements, as you said, I think that try to shove wokeness down people's throats. But no, don't. I, I don't want to run away from that term. I think we should embrace it. Yeah. So... I want to ask you, in the past, you, you have said some pretty controversial things. Some, pe- <laughs> some people have <laughs> some people have said it, they were racist and inciting violence, things regarding yeah. Muslims and Black Lives Matter and Obama, Ta- yeah. Tammy Duckworth, the elections, yeah. Jimmy Kimmel, Stevie Wonder. I mean, what could you possibly say bad about Stevie Wonder? He's, he's not amazing enough? Like, what... So I want to ask you, without getting into them specifically, uh, on my part at least, I I know you're probably sorry about all of them, but is there one thing in particular that you've said in your past where even you sit back and go, man, I've said some dumb shit in my life, but that one, oh my God, that one, oh, if I could just take that one back. Yeah, there's more than one. And and, and, and Andy, (laughs) I don't apologize for all of them because you know, I'm a public person and you could find 10,000 of my tweets and, and, and go after a few hundred of them. And if you put a few hundred in front of me, I'd say, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. But no, here's what I meant on that one. Um, Joe Walsh called Barack Obama a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I could have one- Of course, you're talking about the musician, Joe Walsh. 
Then the, the musician. Let's Joe blame him. <laughs> that guy. I knew he was racist. Damn him. London's work, but come on. Uh, if I could have one big one back, Andy, it's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I said that, did I really believe it? No. But I would again. I was so pissed off because I'm very pro-Israel. I didn't think Obama was pro-Israel enough that I engaged in ugly politics. Mm-hmm. I did that way too many times. Andy, I was constantly trying to push the envelope. I pushed the envelope on race a lot. I loved the issue of race. And there were times I stepped in. Like I remember, uh, I'm a big free speech guy. And somebody said, Joe, you're white. You can't say the N word. You can't say it out loud. And I said, excuse me, it's free country. I can say the word out loud. And I said it out loud. I've never called anybody that in my life. But I, but there was a time where I pushed the envelope on those mm. issues. Um, would you say? Would you right. say that back then you were you were racist? Yeah, but I think I a nuanced answer. I kind of think we all are a little bit. Uh, mm, speak, for, think most speak for yourself, people, buddy. <laughs> I kind of think I think we all discriminate. Uh, I think we all have mm-hmm. stereotypes. Um, do I consider myself to be racist? No. Have, has Joe Walsh said some racist things? I, I can't deny it. Just me getting over my skis, saying shit I sh- shouldn't say mm-hmm. to make a point. I always wonder. I always wonder why people on the right are, are so angry, are so pissed. I look at it through a, a realistic lens. I also look at it through a comedic lens. I remember a, a clip that went around the internet a few years ago. This young reporter guy, comedy reporter, went to a Trump rally, or maybe I think it was a Tea Party rally. <laughs> you should try to find it, or I'll try to find it and send it to you. But he saw this couple, they were maybe 65 years old, 70 years old, all dolled up in all kinds of Republican clothing and hats and flags and whatever. And he was like, why are you here? And he goes, well, he was like, well we're angry. And he's like, what are you angry about? And he goes, big spending, government spending. And he's like, oh. So like Social Security, Medicare, 55% of the budget. We should get rid of that, right? And they're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> and they look at each other like, oh, we love that. And I was like, well, then what the fuck are you so pissed off? You don't even know why you're pissed off, right? You mentioned earlier, and I don't want to play Freud, but it sounded like yeah. you were going through some family stuff and your personal life was, yeah. you know, was that a part of it? Were you pissed off because you were just pissed off in life? Not so much about Obama, but just Joe Walsh, not the guitarist. Joe Walsh was was not happy as a person? Uh, no, no. I, I, I suppose maybe an, an analyst could go down that road and maybe there's something there, Andy. But no, I it, to me, it was all just theoretical to me. I, I, I really do believe uh, that that um, government had gotten too big and out of control and mm-hmm. we were spending too much fucking money. And mm-hmm. I was pissed off at both parties for doing that. Um, I, I agree with you, though. The average Republican voter out there is angry because they want a certain America back. Right. You and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. They want 1954 America back. Mm. And if I have one big regret, Andy, it, it's that I wish back then I had recognized that more. Because mm. I'm out preaching to these people and, and I'm firing them up and I'm helping to get them pissed off. And I thought most of it was like me. They're angry about how big government's got. But I would hear shit 
but I wouldn't pay attention. Mm -hmm. They're pissed off that Obama's black. Uh, they're pissed off that you can't say Merry Christmas anymore in America. Right. I didn't hear shit like this, and I didn't push back hard enough against it. What would you have said? Um, I, I would have said, come on, guys, you still can say Merry Christmas. I would have said, come on, uh, folks, we're not ever going to get 1954 America back. Mm -hmm. um, um, we should let everybody into this country legally, no mm -hmm. matter what color or race they are. Mm -hmm. This is good for America. You're never going to have your white America back. Come on, folks. The problem is uh, the Republican Party ignored these people for years, and then people like me came along, and we've inflamed them. Mm -hmm. So you, you would have been more like John McCain saying, no, ma'am, Obama is not a Muslim. Oh, completely, mm -hmm. completely. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would have said, stop. We're never going to get back the America that was 85% white and 95% Christian. And all of the jobs were here. And we didn't have to compete with the rest of the world. That fucking life isn't coming back. Mm. Um, I wish I had done more of that because, Andy, I go to Washington to stop the debt. Well, fuck it. Republicans don't give a damn about debt. So we didn't stop anything. Mm -hmm. And then all the people out there got disgusted with Tea Party people like me. Along comes Trump a few years later. And he tapped into all this this uglier stuff at mm -hmm. the Tea Party. Mm -hmm. I'm going to build a wall and keep brown and black people out. Uh, and where they go, away they go. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to ask no, you something. No, and I, I lost I, my train. I want to. Well, I want to. I want to push back at you on something mm -hmm. because, look, for five years, I have been on a public apology tour. Mm -hmm. When I ran for president against Trump, it was like I was fucking naked every day on national TV apologizing for what I did. I, people tell me to stop apologizing. Bullshit. I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important because I, look, I still spend a lot of all of my days trying to talk to mega people to still try to save mega people. I do. And it's important for them to hear me apologize for where I fucked up. Mm -hmm. I still think it's important. Sure. And you mentioned before that, you know, uh, about the 1950s, we're not going backward what do you say to the people who look at the overturning of Roe v. Wade and go, no, we're, we're totally going backward. And if, if, if these people are given the amount of rope that they want and the leeway that they have in the courts and in the, in the Congress, they'll ban gay marriage, uh, interracial marriage, they'll ban contraception, that, that, that we will become the fucking handmaid's tale and we'll go back to the 1950s. It's happening. It's, yes but it is a very small minority, I would argue, of even the Republican um, I I don't call myself pro-life anymore because my side used that as a weapon. Mm -hmm. I oppose abortion. But, but in Andy, most Republicans identify as pro-life. But on that issue, okay, Roe's overturned, by the way, I think that's a good thing because I think it should have been left up to the states 40 years ago. But Look at what's happening in even some of these reddest of states, Kansas and the rest. Mm -hmm. Most Republicans don't want these horrible, extreme outlaw abortion from the moment of conception, put the doctors and the mm -hmm. women in jail kind of shit. So, so I think as this is returned to the states, I think you're going to see even in most red states, quietly, Republicans are going to push back against the extremists. Mm -hmm. And that may be true, and we started to see that, as you pointed out. But how do you say that it's a good thing 
when almost 80% of the country says it's a fucking bad thing. Uh, how do I say what in particular? That Roe being, over, Ro being overturned is a... Oh, is, because I think, I think the country 40 years ago needed to have a long, hard fight, discussion, and debate about this issue. And I think when Roe was decided, it took that fight out of the hands of the people. It kind of took that fight out uh, away from the people. And now I think we're going to have that debate. I think your side is going to win that debate because most people on this issue don't want abortion touched until the point of viability, and then they want common sense restrictions. Mm -hmm. And I think eventually that stance is going to carry the day in every single state. Mm -hmm. So it's are you going to be difficult? Are you pro-choice now, or it's like so, where do you land on no, that? No, no, no. I'm still. I'm. God, Andy, that's such a fascinating question, because it, look, I still have you I, ever I, had an abortion, Joe? No. Okay, just checking. Um, yeah, no. I, I. I I've identified as pro-life. I no longer identify as pro-life mm -hmm. because we're all pro-life. Andy, you're pro-life. Right. Um, my side used that as a weapon. Uh, I oppose abortion. Am I pro-choice? No. Where I am is this. I. This is what makes this issue tough. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, you and I could sum up the issue. You do agree that there's a point in a pregnancy where, like, there's another life there and that life should be protected too, right? You believe that? Yeah, I think if, you know, the kid starts asking for more formula, that's probably the cutoff point. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, no, it, and I, I love that. But here's my, here's my philosophy. When that life, inside the mother's life, when that life can be taken out of the mother and that life can be saved then the state has an interest in protecting that life. Yeah, but then, you know what? It gets life. very complicated, Joe, because yeah. there are people that will argue, like, you're going to tell me to have this child, but then according to your platform, you're not going to give me anything to help raise it. You're not going to give me any of the, the, yeah, the things true. that I need to raise this that's child. True. And then the answer is, well, then, you know, put it up for adoption. Very complicated stuff. I come That's from true. the standpoint of, regardless of what my personal feeling may be, people should just do whatever the hell is best for them. It's not my family. It's not my my household expense. It's not, it's just, I'm not going to raise this child for the next bazillion years. How do I have a say in whether it, you know, but I understand how someone could take an opposing view. I do. I, I understand how someone could say, but that's that's a viable. You could take that person, that child out of the womb, and through that's medical, you know, survive. Uh, but well, you know, well, and, and then you throw in the health of the mother and rape and and yeah, all yeah. that shit, and it gets bonkers. But, but I think but, women but, should be but, able but. to choose what they want with their with their right. with the father. But, but but what makes this? I think what makes this what makes this issue complicated. And I agree. Mm -hmm. And I'm a libertarian. I, I'm in charge of my body. Leave me alone. The, the mitigating factor here is there's another life there. That's all. And, and I think I think you and I would agree on almost all of this in that before that point of viability, whatever mm -hmm. that is, leave the woman alone. 
Um, uh, you're right about the fact that all the pro-life people out there want to save every baby. Well, if you want to save every baby, then damn it, you better provide the services mm -hmm. to take care of that baby. Right. Andy, that's a great point as well. Yeah, it's such a complicated thing. And I do agree that on some point, like, you know, whatever, it's six months, eight months, whatever, there, there is a point to where the argument to have the child put it up for abortion adoption if you don't want it makes more sense. But that's not what the argument is. That's not what was motivating, the motivating factors behind overturning Roe and Dobbs. Agreed. It, it was just more about white old men or young men telling women what they're going to do with their bodies. And uh, uh, they agreed, and I can tell you this. And, and one more point, so, from a, as a, a, you know, libertarians, they always love to say, government, get out, get out of my, get out. except in the vagina. Then, the, like, vaginas are literally swarming with libertarians. Well... For the record, I love a vagina, but now here's the deal. Who doesn't? Andy. No, who doesn't? <laughs> but you understand the, the point this libertarian is making, and I agree with a lot of the hypocrisy there. I am still a libertarian. Leave that woman alone. The, the issue I wrestle with, I'm a libertarian, protect life. Oops, there's another living thing in this equation. Mm -hmm. That's what makes this issue complicated. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this, Andy. Everybody on my side, right? We've been screaming for 30, 40 years, overturn row, overturn row. Well, now that it happened, that side is going to get bitten in the ass politically. Mm -hmm. It has already. It, it has already, and it's only going to continue. And the truth is that most of these Republicans never wanted to overturn row because yeah. they loved using the issue mm -hmm. and they loved raising money off of the issue. So would you would you say you are a liber virginitarian? <laughs> I'll give it. I'll let, to put a bow on this one, I'll I'll give that. To yeah. Yes. Something tells yeah. me you and I could probably talk about abortion and vaginas for the next two hours, <laughs> at least, at least. So let's talk about your podcast, White Flag. What is the meaning of that name to you personally? Uh, I surrender. It, it's not. It's so it's not, the obvious. I'm calling it. Yeah, it's well, but it's not. It's not. I'm calling a truce. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. A lot of people on the right got pissed at me for calling it white flag because they said, "Oh, Joe, you're not going to fight anymore. You're surrendering." And I said, "Yeah, I'm fucking surrendering. I'm waving the white flag. I'm not going to fight anymore. I've done enough of that. I, I I caused enough of trouble. I'm I'm I surrender now. Sit down and talk to me." Mm -hmm. um, it, it, Andy, it's simple. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm a public person. I help to divide this country. I'm not 30 years old anymore. I want to spend every minute I've got on this planet trying to make amends for that and help to heal the divide. Mm -hmm. That's all. Look, everybody changes. I remember, you know, watching Obama and just screaming at the TV, why can't you just say you're pro-gay marriage? Why can't you do that? And then he did. So he changed his... like. I don't want to yeah. engage in what aboutism because they're and, and false equivalencies because the things are very very different. But I do believe that people are are able to change and uh, do at least what I consider to be the right thing. It may not always be the right thing, but I think in this day and age to be anti-Trump and anti-Trumpism and anti-maga cultism is anti and anti-authoritarian. Yeah, it's the that's the and, right and, thing, you know. Yeah. Andy, that, that's such an interesting point, Andy, about Obama, because that issue of gay marriage, I mean, back in the day, I was right there with Obama and Bill Clinton 
opposing gay marriage. Mm -hmm. Look at, in a nanosecond, the world changed on that issue for the good. Mm -hmm. um, I, it wasn't Bill, even Hillary opposed it 14 mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. um, that's really good, that things changed. Yeah, and so what do you think of the news this week uh, about them, the Murdoch, Fox, Dominion? Uh, it looks like he he's finally gonna be corralled by the system, I think, right? Who's, who's going to be corralled? Murdoch. You know, you talk oh, about yeah. Fox News, yeah. how, how yeah. they've literally poisoned the minds of how many people. You know, you have Sean Hannity going in under oath last summer and saying, I didn't for one second believe a goddamn word of any of this bullshit. And then later that night and every other night telling his audience that the election was rigged and Dominion stole votes out of the machines and gave them to Biden. And so... Would would that be a that's a huge thing if if Murdoch and Fox loses this defamation suit, isn't it? It's a for a guy, huge and I'm asking you as like an ex right wing yeah. radio guy who was spewing a lot of this kind of stuff back in the day. Right, it's a it's a huge thing, and it's always this has always pissed me off more than even like Trump, and even like my former colleagues in Congress who knew they agreed with what I said about Trump, but they were too afraid to say anything. Everybody in right-wing media, most everybody felt the same way about Trump I did from the beginning, but they didn't, they didn't have the courage to say anything. Hannity and these people have never believed their shit. So it would be really nice to see them finally get burned by it. Mm -hmm. Murdoch's got deep pockets and Fox has deep pockets, but this is going to hook them. But Andy, will, I, I, I'm not convinced that it will change what they do. Are you? Because there's, it's a great model what they do. It, it is, but like, how does a Hannity or a Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram or any of these people go after a loss? Perhaps how do they go back on TV and just start blatantly lying? Because it works. Uh, uh, Andy, I said a million times, Trump's greatest legacy is the destruction of truth. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, it, it works. And they know it works. Um, and uh, most of these people, most of their audience is so far down the rabbit hole that the deep state and everybody else is doing this shit and coming after them that they're not paying attention. And, and Hannity can go and lie to them the next day. I, I just, I don't think it kills Fox News. It won't kill, but don't you think like when it, I mean, there's, there's general bullshit and then there's the kind of specific defamation, like saying this company, Dominion, did X, Y, and Z without it being tethered to truth or reality. Like, don't that, doesn't that change? I mean, the general bullshit, I think will continue. But instances like that, I think it certainly would impact, no? But the Fox, is the Fox News, Newsmax audience, OEN audience, right-wing talk radio audience paying attention to that, to this. MSNBC will go crazy. CNN will make a big deal. The media generally... I'm just talking about in the courts. Like if, you know, some left-wing group, watchdog group is sitting and watching Fox and Sean Hannity starts talking about uh, the ABC company doing shit, like that is going to end up in the courts again. So that's well, the stuff I think... The people at home, oh, I, I agree with you 100%. Oh, that, that, that's a good point. That, that's a good point. So like it came out a couple of weeks ago that Hannity lied and he never believed the shit he was putting out mm -hmm. there again. Um, so he, I, I think on that point, Andy, you're right. 
Hannity and Carlson and Ingram, the rest of them are going to have to be a lot more careful mm -hmm. in how they specifically lie. Mm -hmm. um, that's true. But I think they're general broad lies that the deep state is there and these other things are there and you are a victim. All of that shit's going to continue at a broad level. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the House. You were there for a while. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of what what's going on right now and what do you think the next two years is going to be like? I do think chaos. I know Kevin McCarthy well. He's, uh, he's rudderless. He's never had a philosophy. Um, uh, he's got a really short leash. We talk a lot about Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and the five to 10 super duper extremists. But I, every time I go on CNN, I remind everybody, the vast majority of Republicans in the House are election deniers, mm -hmm. not, not 15 to 20 of them. The vast majority of Republicans in the House are January 6th sympathizers, not 10 to 20 of them. Mm -hmm. and, and McCarthy knows that. So McCarthy knows most of his conference is, look, Andy, I love the House. The House isn't the Senate. Fuck the Senate. The Senate's a boring ass institution. The House is like, man, you no, I, I'll take umbrage with what you just said, uh, Joe. No, no, no. A Andy, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be a better congressman than a senator because you're like I am. You that I agree with. The, you love to get into the combat. The House reflects the bases of both parties. Mm -hmm. The base of the Republican Party is fully radicalized, and you see that in the House makeup. So we're in for two years of absolute investigatory craziness. Let me ask you this question, which, again, is one of the things that just I can't wrap my head around. You, you have a party that literally worshipped Ronald Reagan, right? Worshipped Ronald Reagan, anti-Russia, pro-defense, blah, blah, blah. How does your former party just become a bunch of servile puppy dogs who lick Trump's ass, don't care about anything the party used to care about, are willing to be corrupt, are willing to lie, are willing to be authoritarians and traitors? Can you explain that to me, how that happens? So I guess the truth is that I kind of always sense, uh, but never fully appreciate it, is this. You and I said 10 minutes ago that Republicans want 1954 America back. Mm -hmm. Well, here, here's the truth. They don't believe democracy can get that back for them. So they want a fucking strong man to deliver it for them. So this, this what I thought was an authoritarian kind of fringe impulse in the party, it's, it's, it's not fringe. That authoritarian impulse was much bigger and broader than everybody on my side thought because they literally do want a dictator to deliver to them the America they want. And it's not about democracy. It's not about freedom and free market principles, all of that shit. No, just here, here, Trump, give me back my America. And I, 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 I understand exactly what you're saying, and in, in some major part, I, I agree with that. But these people are smart people. They're not stupid. Which people? Which people? Most of them who you say want a dictator. They're not dummies. Yeah. These people in Congress are not dummies. Do, do they not understand that when you put someone in as a dictator, right? Take Donald Trump, for example. He rates people and women based on numbers, a nine, ten. 
if you're some like little fat dude, okay, and you give Trump the dictatorship, and then six months later he decides that you know what, America doesn't need little fat dudes anymore because they're ugly. I like I like big, strong, tall people. You know, somebody named Hitler had a, a similar kind of Aryan philosophy with how people should look. Right, the perfect race. Do they? They're smart people. Do they? Do they not know that when you have a dictator, they're not just going to one hundred percent give you what you want? That you you might end up in some concentration camp someday because you're a little fat guy, or you're this, or you're that, or you're a not woman, and you're in you're a six instead of a nine. Like I I can't wrap my head around that. Well, most most of them, if you're talking about Republicans in the House and the Senate, most Republican elected officials, they're just they're just most of them are just playing the game. You have true believers like Marjorie and Jim Jordan, who I know well, who do want to give a president authoritarian powers to get back their America. But most Republicans in Congress don't. But Andy, here's the thing. They know where their voters are. Their voters want this. And so most Republicans elected officials will sing the same song because they know where their voters are and they don't want to lose their jobs and their gigs. How do, how do the voters get to this place? I mean, you, let's take the average middle class or lower middle class family in this country, you know, the kind of families that put most of their sons and daughters into the, 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 the armed forces because rich people aren't usually in the, in the armed forces. It's the, the, the working class, young men and women. What are they going overseas to fight for and defend? Like, you know, we, isn't it democracy? Like what, do they ever stop to say, wait a second, this is not why my cousin Joe lost his leg in Iraq so that we can have a dictator. It just seems so convoluted to me. I don't, I don't understand okay. it. But, but, but again, you're not. Is it all, I mean, is it all racism? Is it all, all just come no, back to no, racism? No, 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 no. And the left jumps on that too fucking easily. No, it's. It, what are we talking about, Andy? We're primarily talking about middle-aged and older white people. That's primarily what we're talking mm-hmm. about. And in their defense, Andy, my good liberal friend, the media... I don't like the way always, you said that, Joe. <laughs> I know. Well, because I'm coming at you, damn it. The media, historically, mm-hmm. has never been their friend. Mm-hmm. The media in this country is generally left of center. Academia is left of center, has never been their friend. Hollywood, popular culture, these people are good, decent, left of center people. And the political establishment has never listened to them. So for 50 to 60 years, these people believed, I think rightly to a degree, that all of these institutions in America were against them. They wanted 1954 America back. All these other institutions are singing a different song. And so Trump comes along and Andy, they finally have some power Yeah, and they want to act on it because they felt beaten up for years, rightly to a degree. Don't you see some of that? I do, but I just don't get it. It's like, you know, uh, when people talk about, we mentioned the war on Christmas, like I'm a Jew. You want to understand how Christian this country is? Just be a Jew from around Thanksgiving to New Year's. Okay. <laughs> like I, I yes. say to my Christian friends, like, how many people come up to you in the middle of November and go, hey, what are you doing for Hanukkah? Like, you know, what are you getting your kids for Hanukkah? No, nobody says that, but I get asked a billion times and everywhere I go, it's like, and I, look, I love Christmas, right? I have mixed people in my family. Like yeah. we celebrate, everybody celebrates all kinds of stuff these days. 
But the notion that like there's a real war on Christmas, it's just it's just it's bullshit, right? It's well, just well, bullshit. Well, well, here, okay, that one example. Just this just like the thing. the white people thing. It's like, wh- hey, whitey, you guys control everything. Okay, you shouldn't be so angry at black people and people of color. You control everything, everything. Agree with agree with that. Um, but what what happens, Andy, is there's one shopping. Uh, there's one department store in Chicago that forbids their employees to say Merry Christmas. They have to say Happy Holidays. And we on the right would take that one example. Tucker Carlson will go on TV tonight and he'll make it sound mm-hmm. like that's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there is a kernel of truth in that there, over time there's been political mm-hmm. correctness. There have been people that have said, don't say Merry Christmas, you mm-hmm. might offend people, and the right blows that up. What's your, what's your opinion I'm, of that? Do you think that story is right or wrong? Or should be able to do it? Oh, my God. I, I, I married to a lovely Jewish woman. I, I think there's no doubt that there's been quiet and sometimes public pressure over the years to say happy holidays mm-hmm. so as not to offend people uh, you know, mm-hmm. who are not Christian. I get it. Your wife, I, Helen, I by the way, is amazing. I just want to say that. You, Helen is great. <laughs> and as a Jew, I got to say, if I went into that store in Chicago and they said Merry Christmas, I wouldn't go back. No, I wouldn't go back. Yeah. I mean. Oh, you wouldn't. I wouldn't go back. Oh, Andy. Oh, really? Joe. <laughs> I wouldn't go back oh, because she... it makes me feel like, why say Merry, why assume that I'm, that I'm going to celebrate Christmas? I don't have a problem if you celebrate. This is the notion behind Happy Holidays. It, you know, Happy Holidays is only bad if the 97% of the people who celebrate Christmas want to say Merry Christmas, right? I love this. I love this fucking issue. Too. I love we can this add issue. this to the list after abortion, by the way. So that's another, <laughs> another another two hours we can debate this. No, but Andy, I, 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 I want to live in a world where nobody is forced to say anything. You can say whatever you want to say. And generally, I want to live in a world where people aren't easily offended by any of it. But I don't want, I don't want government... But you're a libertarian. Why not let the corporate America decide what their employees should be saying? Oh, and they should, and they have a right to do that, and they have a right to. I'm sorry, you're a liber vaginitarian. I I, liber vaginitarian. (laughs) That's actually we need to start some. We should hashtag hashtag liber vaginitarian. I I, I agree. I think look, private companies should be free to do what they want, and then people like me can scream about it. We're free to scream about it, and there's too much screaming about it. That's the inherent in hypocrisy of liber- of libertarians or some conservatives. Is like, do you want government in your business? Do you not want government in your business? Because it's like, what happens in business, most of the time, libertarians and conservatives are like, small business people, business people, corporate America should make its own, do we stay out of the corporate? But then if like they want to have like a trans bathroom or something, then it's like, all right, we got to attack the corporate. You know, it's like you pick and choose where to have big government and small government, which is just bullshit, and and people recognize that. Which is bullshit, and that's certainly where today's Republican Party is, because you got Ron DeSantis down in Florida now, you know, telling private companies what to do. Mm -hmm. That's anathema to me. Mm -hmm. So you ran for president in 2020. You gonna run again? (laughs) Stupid fucking thing. No, I'm glad I did it. Somebody needed to do it. Um, I, I don't have a team. Like I'm not Neither does Trump. <laughs> it's true. But, well, he, he doesn't, but he does. He is a Republican, even though he's nothing. Um, but I don't have a label. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. You're a liberal vaginitarian. You can run the, 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 the liberal vaginitarian party. 
wonder if you could start a party under that label. Uh, you probably, probably can. Could. But no, no, no. So it's it's hard. There's no third party. It's hard to run as an independent. I've thought about becoming a Democrat. I'm probably too conservative to be mm -hmm. a Democrat. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of lost right now. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is... Uh, please tell me you don't think this this guy is going to be the nominee Who? again. Trump. Who? I, I, I think everybody is writing his obituary too fucking soon. He's the leader of the party. And until I see differently... The nomination is his. I know DeSantis pretty well. Andy, he ain't ready for prime time. If he decides to run, hello, will you see him up on a debate stage? Mm -hmm. I don't see anybody able to take down Trump right now. Especially on a debate stage. I mean, we see what he did to Rubio and, and Rand Paul. And, and, you know, when yeah. you're not tethered to reality or the truth and you're a sociopath, a debate stage is your friend, you know? It's your friend. His superpower is he, he's not tethered to truth mm -hmm. and he's incapable of shame. Right. Incapable. So fuck, how do you beat that? Right. So it looks like Biden's going to run again. It, who, I mean, is there somebody else? Larry Hogan, Sununu, like who, who's out there besides Trump that might take him on, you know, Yunkin, like who, who do you see as, as a likely candidate? Well, you, you, uh, if, it's Trump's party. It's the party of Trumpism. So unless you embrace him and Trumpism, you don't have a fucking shot, which is why I could never win as a Republican. Liz Cheney could never win. Larry Hogan, come on. Larry Hogan. Larry Hogan has no prayer. Good God. Uh, 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 everybody's pining for a never-Trumper to run as a Republican. There's no fucking room in the Republican Party for a never-Trumper. There's not. By the way... If you were to run again and they charged like 150 bucks pay-per-view for the debate, I'd, oh my God. I'd pay it in a second. And I'd pay it, not because I think it would just be amazing, but I, I do think someone like you, he wouldn't, be, he wouldn't beat someone like you on a debate stage. I agree with that, Andy. I, no, no, I agree with that. And by the way, that's a big reason. That's a big reason why I ran two years ago, because I just wanted one shot at that fucker <laughs> on a debate stage. Don't but we all? Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you happen to know him, I'm he, Donald. Uh, come on the pod. We'd have a great chat. Oh my God, Andy, we would eat him for lunch. But I, I don't. I don't see a never Trumper kind of like with my piss and vinegar who could or would do that. Mm. It ain't Larry Hogan. And, and by the way, uh, Andy, to go at your party, yeah, Biden's going to run, and he should run, and I think. I'll support him wholeheartedly like you will. The Democrats need fighters, don't they? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And I don't see a lot of Democratic fighters. We need to see fucking Democratic fighters. Yeah, well, I need an just like there are, just like the, there's not a lot of compassionate conservatives, there's not a lot of tough Democrats. Hey, but based on what you were saying just a second ago about the, the, the potential candidates or lack thereof, that kind of sounds like the, the, your former party is, is not just broken, but kind of dead. Or as Billy Crystal said in The Princess Bride, half dead, almost dead. No? I, said, uh, I agree. Look, I, I've publicly said a bunch of times, I don't think the party can be saved. Mm. It is what it is. It's on this path. It's, it's going to stay on this path. Uh, it's a party of middle-aged, older white men. They're going to die off, and the party's not replacing itself. Mm -hmm. The only thing that can save that party, Andy, is a Democratic party 
that like goes bonkers to the left and they're so out of touch with where regular people are. Right. But I don't think that'll happen. Right. Well, we'll end on that note. Joe, you've been very generous with your time. It's a real pleasure and an honor to have you on and talk with you. And I hey, hope... Can I say this? Yeah. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. I'm a fucking big fan of yours. Well, thank you. I mean that. I love what you do. I love your voice. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate it. Likewise. And uh, let's do, we'll do this again. Thank you, man. Take care, Joe. Touring because I love to sing. Green eyes. The hardest part is just leaving home. I don't like to leave home. I love, I love it here. I have to say, go, honey, have fun. And I might not ever see him again. If I were to say, no music, but you get extreme joy in your home life, do you make that trade? No music? No. I'm not interested. It's the only thing I got to offer, really. We shall be free. This is really where I feel alive. That was David Crosby from the 2019 documentary about his life. David died yesterday at the age of 81. You know, every year we lose people. People die. But for me, this one is a real punch to the gut. I can't remember a time in my life without David's music in my head. Through some really great times and through some truly awful times. You know what? Death sucks. Carry on. Love is coming. Love is coming to us all. Rest in peace, David. That's episode 35. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446. Email us at backroomandy at gmail.com or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Gent Mood, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wynn and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Joe Walsh. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week. 